Welcome on to Searching for Mana, Tom. Great, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Really exciting uh, time over with Circa 5000, uh, where Tom is uh, one of the founders. Um, before we get into some of the um, really, really awesome updates, Tom, if you could just be so kind for anyone in the audience who doesn't have context of what Circa 5000 are all about, please. Yeah, so we are an impact investment specialist. It's the only kind of investments that we do. So invest in, into companies for financial return. Um, obviously, we would say at least market rate financial return, but we're into companies that are trying to generate a measurable positive social or environmental impact through, the, through their operations, through the products and service they sell. Um, and so to date, up until this moment, we've been a platform um, where people can invest for the, themselves, their kids, their pension, their long-term financial future. So it's not short-term investing, it's long-term investing into these kinds of businesses that are shaping a positive you know vision of the future and up until this moment we've built our portfolios out of other people's investment funds that we've done due diligence on and then created themes around so people planet or people and planet themes um that changed this week because for the past two years we've been building our own investment funds uh, etfs uh, and they have now launched and so Everything behind the scenes has been built from scratch by us. We effectively vertically integrated with the platform and the fund provider. Um, and, you know, we can get into why that's been very important for us to do, but it's the big major milestone that we've been working on for the past few years. Yeah, congratulations. Um, the last couple of years um, yeah. has had market challenges for, for, for everybody. We're in um, 2023, uh, middle of the year in, um, in June. And so like, just to stay alive was was the name of the game. But to be <laughs> to be yeah. to be building your own ETFs is is quite some feat. So congratulations. Yeah. I mean, it begs the question, um, why was that so important? Yeah, so I think that I, went, I, I spoke at the, uh, the, the launch on uh, a couple of days ago and um, the the idea of launching our own ETFs was in the first ever pitch deck that Matt and I, Matt, the other founder, put together before we had a company name, before we'd left our jobs. And the reason was we felt like our role in the world, our business is really about expanding the access to impact investment. So that's the retail platform, you know, so whether it's your first time or you've got a million pounds, you know what you're doing, that the investments are still built for you. So it's, there's an accessibility to quality impact investments. That's the first thing. And the second you know, reason for us to exist is to increase the quality of impact investment funds that are available to the broadest audience. And so what we did as a kind of sequencing of, a, of starting the business was, it would have been very difficult for us in the beginning to raise uh, capital, raise initial funding to go and build funds. So the, the approach we took was to raise capital to build a platform and acquire customers, achieve growth. And then as we were achieving growth, raise more funding, then dedicate that to building the funds. And so we can broaden access, bring more people to this form of investing, uh, but ensure the quality of investments are there because the, the, the world in which we operate, impact investing, you know, some people will lump ESG investing or sustainable investing in with it. There's some good and there's some bad, and we just felt like there could be a lot more good, um, and we felt like we were well placed to to resolve that that issue. Thanks, Tom. That's a really um, insightful toolkit for any uh, potential founders who are looking to take on very large market opportunities where they would be competing with institutes. Is the yeah. order in which to get traction. Uh, so, congratulations. Yeah. That strategy is Thanks. started starting to come through. 
Um, you made this announcement um, at the London Stock Exchange, mm. uh, which was amazing. That must have been such a special moment. I, I saw um, uh, a photo on social, as I'm sure yeah. a lot of the audience have, of uh, you and the team. Um, I don't know what you're doing, ringing a bell or... Uh... Yeah, you used to ring a bell historically. And then I think prior to COVID, you would also push a button. But I think now it's a little bit more... You, you you kind of metaphorically ring the bell, push the button, and then you, you, you open the stock market. Yeah. And we have, we placed a tablet on this this podium, and that kicked off the opening. That's the official kind of signal, I think now. But oh my yeah. god, what what a moment! That's phenomenal. Yeah. Were you were you were you good or or bad at school? Because I'm, I'm going to preset this as if you are bad. That's the real moment that you want to <laughs> show your show oh, your teachers yeah. and your friends, right? I think Matt and I, Matt was probably. Uh, I'll kill me for this. Probably worst behavior at school. I was uh, very, very intelligent, um, but more traditional of the entrepreneurial spirit in the sense yeah. that he doesn't like being yeah. told what to do. I, uh, I, I was, I was brought up by very strict parents, so I didn't really have a choice. So I was good at school. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! So, um, cool moment. Why, why there? Why, why did you choose to do that um, with the London Stock Exchange? Yeah, so interestingly enough, our the funds that we've built are actually built and domiciled in in Dublin, in Ireland. Um, they are they were EU uh, approved first, um, and then we we had to go through a new process of passporting them back into into the UK. Um, historically, well, prior to Brexit, that you would have you know it would have been the same. Um, you, we kind of build the funds in the EU because historically. Um, all the infrastructure for fund building in the EU, this is kind of semi-boring, but it's the reason why we did it is either in Dublin or Luxembourg, you know, so uh, Dublin was the home for the funds. It was a natural home. Um, but the UK is our market. It's our home market. And so we wanted to list on the LSC because the primary objective initially of, the, of obviously the fund launch is to be accessible as far and wide in the UK as possible. You know, the London Stock Exchange is, is still the the place to list in, in Europe. That's still that's still the case. Um, and so we our home is the UK, despite the funds originally being developed in the in the EU for infrastructure purposes. Um, and that gives our customers access to them straight away. So they, they, they buy via the UK Stock Exchange. They, they, they don't have to encounter any problems by trying to buy them overseas. Um, and we use the UK as the base to do something very important, which is we'll be the first retail platform in the world to basically seed and launch uh, investment funds using the, the assets of the customers on the platform. Historically, yeah. funds are generally launched um, um, you, uh, by pension funds investing in them, institutional yeah. investors investing in them. So that was an innovation for us. So it was important that our customers had access. And us being a UK business, London Stock Exchange is our home for that. And so it was a, it was a natural way uh, to list the funds. Yeah, thanks for going through that um, technical detail. It's, it's, it's interesting to, to, to me and I hope our audience. Um, with that said... There is a lot of dialogue around um, UK fintech space has been incredibly hot. Yeah. Um, uh, nonetheless, in terms of from a global success perspective, you can still mm. question, I mean, Europe, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, why are we not picking out these globally impactful, innovative businesses, given just all of the, the phenomenal um, startups that there are? And you have listings where it's incredibly um, successful for some of the founding team and a few team members. And 
it might be very good for individuals in the UK or Europe. But, you know, where are those to take it to a, a complete extreme? You know, where are those uh, kind of fang stocks that are coming out of the UK? What's yep. big question, but like, what's your thinking here? What, you know, these are ETFs. These can be bought by anybody in the world as you move forward. What's your strategy there? How big is the ambition? Yeah, so I think I'll probably, I'll, I'll just touch on what you're saying, then I'll come, come back to the ETFs because I think yep. that, I think the, the, the issue, and it's kind of been well written about, well, very recently, I think, in the, in the UK is that, if you think about us as a business, you know, and when we raise growth funding as our next, you know, our next round to really kick on the business, the, we've already spoken with probably the majority have been North American investors looking at us, you know, to invest in us, yeah. whether that's traditional, you know, VCs or pension fund related, VC Canadian pension fund related people. So the the capital availability and the depth of capital is less here than it is in the US and, and in Canada, where you have more local pension funds who have massive assets investing in early stage businesses within the US, and now they come over to Europe and do the same. But our own pension funds don't do that. So the access to growth capital, whether you're listed on the stock market in that initial IPO, or whether you're a series C, D, E company, your avenues to get that capital is yeah. by going to North America or you know maybe Asian investors as well. And so I think there's been a lot written about recently, which is, can we, can we can we kind of unlock our own pension funds, which have massive, you know, hundreds of billions of assets in to to kind of invest in UK companies that are growth stage companies that could then list on the stock market, be invested in by them when they yeah. list on the stock market, as opposed to the way that in which they invest already. So they, I think that's that's part of what's going into the conversation. I think at the moment in the UK is the the routes for scale ups to get that capital. I think the UK is a great market when you're starting out a business with the tax incentives, and we've probably got a pretty good you know, seed to Series A kind of market for our own investors. But then it becomes a little bit more tricky, and that's why a lot of growth companies turn to the US. They either go to the US or get investment from the US, and a, yeah. it shouldn't shouldn't have to be that way. I don't think. Yeah. Th uh, thanks for breaking that out. Actually, let's come to the ETF next because this is going <laughs> to be to do with retail liquidity. Yeah. Um, so on this point. We um, have had the Khalifa review uh, a few years back where, yeah. um, you know, one of the determinations was that there isn't enough growth venture capital so that we can have these type of breakout um, yeah. successes. Now, um, in, uh, I, I, I'm sure we're both aware there's not really been any change there no. uh, over that period of time. So to, to give your view on that, then, mm. ought you to be a very large growth business that has a huge impact, which clearly you guys um, will want to do, I assume. And already you're going to America to get that type of venture and particularly in this growth phase. Mm. What's the chances that you're then going to, you know, stay true to being a UK business that lists on the London Stock Exchange? Yeah, it makes it, I mean, it makes it just, a, you know, not, not without getting specific names, but the conversations we've had with some US investors uh, we love what you guys are doing. Um, it would be very interesting for us. We'd need to see our US plans first, though, before we get more yeah. comfortable. So yeah. There'd have to be a a, uh, a credible expansionary plan because the US is a huge market. And so yeah. it, they would sooner deploy their capital into the US than they would in the UK and Europe because yeah. of those reasons. So I'm not saying that we will do or we won't do that. Um, what To come back to your initial question on the ETFs yeah. and the plans, and it links with this inexplicably, yeah. uh, is that the ETFs themselves are already EU regulated. So we have EU and UK regulation. Now we launched initially in the UK, 
But the idea is that the the uh, the ETFs are available across the EU and are listed in France, Germany, Italy, you know, wherever wherever there is demand. And our plan in the UK is we are a vertically integrated platform. The ETFs are also available on brokerage platforms. So, you know, the, the big traditional ones and the, and, the, and the new brokerage platforms. So if you don't want the full fat circa 5,000 impact investing experience, but you do really like one of the ETFs, you can purchase it in your Hargreaves account, for example. Um, they'll also be available to wealth managers, private banks in the UK. And then outside the UK into Europe, for now, we will be a product provider to brokerage platforms, robo-advisors, to banks, wealth managers, asset managers, etc. Um, and that gives us a kind of a B2B flavor of, of what we're doing. We're a product provider and then they can distribute the products and we'll, we may, you know, establish distribution relationships with one or two people for big countries. Um, so we could, we could be a sole, we could be solely distributed by X big bank in Germany or Italy or France. And that allows us to expand into the EU without ballooning our costs in a, in a, in a retail uh, platform way. Um, because even if you had the retail platform fully regulated in the EU, EU, there's a lot of marketing, there's localization, there's teams on the ground, et cetera. Whereas in this way, we can sell um, yep. in a B2B way and expand. And so that may be our entrance into the US market eventually too, which is a product provider. Um, and so the, the, for us as a business, the more assets that we can get into our ETF range, um, the better for our overall platform in the in the in the retail market in the UK um, because we could even make that cheaper and you know we could we could expand that way over time so that's kind of how we're thinking about the future sequencing of how we expand in the UK and outside. Cheers, Tom. We're um, doing a shorter form of catch up on the Searching for Mana fintech show. Um, at some point, love to get you uh, and, and and your co-founder on, and we'll really go into the uh, the weeds on on bio and strategy and all those type of things. So the, the, the couple of update things I want to stick with um, right now, uh, I, and I do want to talk about the actual ETFs as well um, after the next question so that we can really think, well, why would we take this ETF? Like what is the impact that's going to happen? Why would I choose this over something from uh, one of the, the names I might know at this point that are, that are more well-known is there's another uh, really exciting update that you guys have just come out with, which is that you're crowdfunding. So could you talk yeah. to that, please? Yeah, so I think it was, you know, we've crowdfunded in the past. Um, the last time we did it was as part of a raise that we did, a VC-led raise. And the, the main future milestone at that point in time when we pitched um, for that raise and for that capital was that we would now go away and build our ETFs. And that was roughly 17, 18 months ago. And so we're now coming back at the moment that we've, that we've you know, achieved what we said we were going to achieve. Obviously, there's some growth involved and there's some new other, other features, et cetera, yeah. that have launched, some great hires that we've made. The team's in a great position. But the big, big thing is that we've we spent 18 months building these ETFs from scratch ourselves. And we wanted to time going back on when we'd done that. We didn't want to. We didn't want to go back out and raise and be like, "Yeah, we're nearly there," you know, or you know, uh, you know, six <laughs> months away. We wanted to do it. Go look. This is what we said we we're going to do. We've done it. Now here's the next phase, and we want to kick on. And so we think, uh, you know, ac- people having access you know, uh, to be investors in us from a from a business that cares about financial inclusion, it's exceptionally important for us to yeah. to, to come back. The crowd will always be a part of our of our journey for future raises. But it just felt like it was it was the uh, it was the right timing with the, with the ETF launch, and so that's why we've gone it gone and done it now. We, we, this show will go out um, very early in next week, which something like the twelfth of June. What type of time would this opportunity be available for? 
So I think we're going to go live on, uh, uh, I think, the 22nd. Let me just, I'm just checking the calendar on my phone. 22nd. And we'll, we'll probably be live for, for a week or two after yeah. that. So it, it's, a, it's a window of time. Yeah, so exciting. Um, so we'll finish with a mana round, uh, which yeah. I'm looking forward to. But let's cover ETFs then. So um, just in yeah. real brief, um, and please, you, you take it away. There are five different ETFs that yeah. you have launched. Could you yeah. give us the... Uh, nuances of each of them. And if you wanted to dig into one in particular, so then we could really break it down and understand why, you know, why would Lloyd want to invest into that? Yeah. So a, a little bit of a backdrop very, very briefly. So the, 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 it's still true to this day. It's very true when we started the business. Top quality impact funds were traditionally only available to top institutional investors or pension funds. Um, they were very expensive to get into. And they were actively managed you know that's the world i come from i come from that world i was a portfolio manager on those strategies so i used to build those strategies in conjunction with the team we used to run you know three four five billion of assets from pension funds around the world into these really high quality uh actively managed quite expensive funds and so we always felt like wouldn't it be great if we could take the quality put them into an accessible structure that's the etf um, and have a price point which is half or a third of those of those funds. And so the the reason why we think that you know that the, there's a there's a there's a real depth of quality to them is the level of research that's gone into them, company by company. Now I think a lot of people have a preconception of ETS, which is it's pre-exist they track a pre-existing index and it's very passive and it's very standoff. If you forget the ETF label for a second, what we've done is we've built five indices from scratch ourselves in conjunction with a research partner with uh, a level of impact research that you'd only ever find at the top of the tree of the impact funds in the world. Um, we've put that into an ETF structure and it's coming in at half or a third of the fees. So it's it's broadly available, whether you're a first-time investor or very experienced, or ultimately we want pension funds to buy them as well, eventually down the line when, the, when, the, when they're big. It just broadens access to quality impact. So if you think about why we exist as a business, that's why we built the funds the way we've built. The five taken together, there's roughly 50 companies in each. So let's say 250 businesses make it into the into the final five. The five taken together cover the spectrum of global equity markets when it comes to high impact businesses. Um, so they can be used as a total solution. What you get when you invest like that is that they're very geographically diverse, sexually diverse, they're diverse across market caps. So you get a very diversified portfolio. They can also be used to give discrete thematic exposure to certain areas so there are three climate related ones and two non-climate um i'll come on to the specifics in a, in a sec and what we're investing in, in each of these businesses is from the research the best net positive impact businesses in the world in that area and so we look at the products and services it sells we look at we look at the negatives of the business because every business has them and the steps it's taken to mitigate that those negatives and then the governance and then we invest in the best and what we we this is a little bit technical but but it's important most etfs are weighted by a market cap so the biggest companies are the biggest constituents that's kind of backward looking if you think about it because the companies have got big already what how we weight them is a mixture of that and mixture of impact potential based on our research and so that kind of diversifies away from just holding the biggest companies mm -hmm. all the time which we think, you know, long-term is a good returns yep. argument for the given themes. And so one of the themes, I think probably the one that's the most differentiated in the themes that you see out in the world, the, the five very quickly, clean energy and technology. So you've got everything from renewable energy to carbon capture, carbon storage, uh, electric vehicles, the supply chain there, uh, clean water and waste, um, sustainable food and biodiversity, 
um, health and well-being, which covers everything from health, but also housing and, and areas like that. The one that's the most differentiated, I think, that um, in the kind of the, the fund landscape at the moment is social and economic empowerment. So this covers things like banking access, internet access, a lot of the things that we take for granted in our lives. So the, the and it's more emerging markets skewed than some of the other the, the other ETFs. So you get very differentiated exposure, and so I think that if anybody listening looks at the funds you will you'll see very differentiated companies in the top 10 in the whole 50 you won't find any usual suspects and all our research is fully transparently published online so each report behind each company you know it's about a 20 page report that we've distilled a little bit you can see all our workings why yeah. we think good business um and that's another differentiated so, point so, so tom this is this is so cool so let's just say my uh my mum angela uh is really dear to one of those causes um yep. and uh, let's take the unique example social impact for instance yep. um you know part of it is that she makes sure that she has um healthy return but the other part is massively the emotion of feeling your money is doing good as you're yep. uh, making prudent investments what are you guys doing um to be able to help angela visualize that as her investment moves forward yeah great question so we've got not only have we got company level reporting so you invested in this business and they educated 30,000 kids in, the, uh, in, in rural Brazil last year, for example. Here's an example of one of the schools. So you get that level of, uh, of the kind of um, on the ground level of the individual business, but then each uh, ETF will have overall metrics. So by investing in this business, a million people got access to the internet. 500,000 people who didn't have a bank account have now got a bank account. So you get the, you get the macro impact stats in the app and on the website. Um, and, it, and what we'll be releasing in the next I think, six to eight weeks is like an impact calculator for you, your own investment. So you invested five grand and through that five grand, this is the equivalent kind of on the ground level impact at the company level and the, and the ETF yeah. level. So it just brings it to life a little bit more for people. Um, and, and if anyone's listening to this and just thinks this sounds great, but like I'm nervous, this would be the first time that I've ever done anything like this, yeah. that first time investor, the, the barrier to access, the, the type of money you can put in? Five pounds is the minimum. So, yeah. I mean, luckily for us as a business, most people invest more, but the idea is that, and we've seen this since the beginning, people who are new, never invested before or never invested this way before, start small, then build it up. And, and you yeah. regularly now see people that had 500 pounds who've now got 20 grand in their account because they've gone, right, I'm moving my mainstream investments to this now um, because yeah, yeah. the performance is there. We believe in the performance long-term. You can see the back test. You can see our results so far. It stacks up and you get the feel good factor. And so I think that I think of my you know, long term big picture viewers, risk, return and impact will be the th three dimensions of the investment industry in the next 10, 15, 20 years. I think we're really you know, on our way to that. Love it. OK, um, we'll do the mana round to conclude, cool. um, which will cover just a few things about how Tom Thanks. But I just, um, you know, before that, say congratulations. This is so exciting. I love what you, you. I love what you guys are doing and just give you the chance um, to uh, promote uh, your podcast, which you've got uh, <laughs> yeah. where you and your founder. Um, I don't know how many you've done now, but do, do tell the audience. Um, yeah, I've, I've started a podcast and like obviously me and everybody does them, but yours is brilliant. I really love it. There's a great chemistry between you two guys and you're talking about super interesting things. Um, so if you could tell the audience about that, please. Yeah, so Matt and I have known each other for 13 years now. We started work on the Barclays Graduate Scheme day one together. Um, and uh, we've always, we've, since that moment, we've been, we've been close friends. And so 
we uh, we started a podcast really mainly for our own customers and we talk about yeah a bit of economics business impact investing finance stuff that's going on in the world and we try to make it as simple as possible because we are simple straightforward northern people so um, we try and you know just just I think one of the big things that we learned when we first came into the industry was there's a lot of jargon it can be it can sound like a foreign language it made us feel stupid it doesn't need to be that way and that's how we talk and that's how you know the podcast is really so um every tuesday we record episodes come out every wednesday um and we're doing very well in the chilean estonian taiwanese and belgian charts for some reason yes, yes. <laughs> that's amazing we'll put um we'll put a link to it in the uh in the show notes and just like in research to this podcast, I, I skimmed through a few and it's brilliant. Yeah, I really love it. That's Thank the skill you. of um, someone who's technically an expert is to be able to communicate it in a language that's palatable. Yeah. If you're doing what you guys are, which is now appealing to a broader market. So yeah. love it, love it. Absolutely Thank great you. showcase. Okay, quick, far, on around and uh, you're a busy guy. So thanks for your valuable time. We'll no. get through this at yeah. rapid pace. If you could have the front cover of a publication that was really dear to you, um, and I don't know what it is, but please tell us, but something like the FT, the, the uh, Economist or whatever it might be, what would be the message that you would put on the front of it? <sighs> Let's go with the FT because I, I do read it. And I, uh, yeah, ever since I came into the industry, it's been the, you know, the Bible that people read. Um, what would be the front, what, what, like a headline? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. This is an opportunity to get the biggest message that you want to across to your audience? I think, you know, studies shows definitively that you can make returns and have a positive impact at the same time. Because I think the, the reason why, and I know it's not like the most poetic thing is because until that's proven, you'll always get that question. And we can show our workings and that'll convince a lot of people, but it needs to be broadly understood. You know, we can convince our audience and as we expand, we'll convince people but if I think I think if that was broadly understood, I think you, you could have a real world impact on the actual you know economy, on the actual way people live their lives, because capital would flow to stuff that was more useful for us and more frequently. And so I think that would be the 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 key moment for this way of investing in the world. I think in terms of channeling capital to useful places. Is AI a friend or a foe in? What, let's class here wealth management. So it's just a bit specific to you. I think it will be a friend in wealth management. I think I see a lot of potential in it already. I really, really do. Um, and I think it will potent the way I think, you know, in my narrow way of looking at it, I think it will probably open up financial advice to a much broader audience yep. than was ever available before. You know, financial advice is only really available to wealthy people still, you know, proper financial advice. I think that, I think that, will change dramatically with AI. Um, I'm not saying in-person financial advisors will cease to exist, but I think people will be able to get financial advice from all walks of life, and I think that's a good thing. What keeps you up at night? Running a business, generally. <laughs> no, I, I live, I mean, Matt's the same. I live I live day-to-day uh, -day expecting things to go wrong. You know? <laughs> so it's not like, and I think, yeah, I think you kind of have to, but... So it's not like one specific thing. It's just the sense that something may go wrong. So that's the thing. <laughs> Amazing. Do you have any particular, you know, like when you have that weight on your shoulders and yeah. this huge opportunity. So so many guests answer that question with that. I'm not going to fulfill the opportunity. 
you know, mm -hmm. once you've kind of probably got to this point, because I think till this point, it's like, is this even going to happen? This thing could break. Yeah. You get to this point where you get this growth traction mm -hmm. and it seems to be like, am I going to go quick enough? Am I going to miss the opportunity? And, you know, these are these are great challenges to have. What when you've got that weight on your shoulder is, you know, the day in your lifetime when you're waking up, how do you ground yourself? What's the ritual mm -hmm. that you come to work so that you've uh, made sure that the best you turns up? I've always found that I'm a morning person. I exercise first thing in the morning and that normally sorts out anything that's going on in my mind. I get up, I have a coffee and I'm in the gym, you know, 10, 15 minutes from waking up, you know, if, if I'm close to the gym, I happen to be going to. So, and I kind of work through things in my own mind with, you know, with that. And then I think a conversation with Matt, maybe if something big is going on, conversation with our chair, uh, Peter, who's like a, a veteran and an amazing guy. And we kind of, we get, we set each other on the right path and we kind of at least agree steps to take if something has gone wrong. And so I think that those are the things that I do. Um, I think you're always one conversation away from having a resolution or a step close to a resolution when there's a problem. And so I think that that, that helps. And I think just yeah. knowing that and doing that on rip, you know, doing it now for a number of years, you're like, okay, let's have the conversation, you know, and then, you know, dealing with problems as quickly as possible. and agree. You can work it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I love that. Is there a particular uh, affirmation or mantra that you have? It could be a book that you go back to, or it could literally be a, a passage. You could accredit yourself. It could be someone else's, you know, think quote that um, you'd like to share that is really dear to you uh, and maybe the audience would benefit from. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to pull out something that I don't think about, but what I do, what I do genuinely think about and what helps me a lot is, um, I, I listen to a podcast series. There are other podcast series available apart from ours. Sorry to advertise them <laughs> called, called founders podcast. I don't know if you've heard oh, yeah. that, yeah. you read the guy reads the biographies of the greatest, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and just how hard their journeys are. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, some of them are just insane. And I think that, when we're going through a hard time, I'm like, this is common. This is the norm. It's meant to be this hard. And that's why most people kind of don't make it through or yeah. it's just meant to be so hard that we've started to revel in the difficulty, I think, because it's almost like, you know, it, it, you have to, we're solving a problem. We're, we're, we're overcoming a challenge. It's, there's a sporting element to it. Yeah. And listening to those stories, the proper stories, not the, not the media versions, the actual yeah. reality that gives me strength. And so it's not really a quote, it's not really a, you know, a soundbite, but it's just the reality is exceptionally difficult and understanding that helps me. There's a, yeah, I love it. Oh my God. We should do a collab on our podcast at some point where yeah. we start reading out some entrepreneurial stories. Uh, yeah. I, I Someday it, Matt and I have talk, talked about writing a book about the actual reality, <laughs> the, the real, real reality. We can't do it yet because we're still in it, but uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, like, um, you know, the hard things about hard things. Oh, that book. Uh, just a brilliant it. book, right? And and there's Absolutely. so many of these examples. Like, so many people like Shoe Dog, which is uh, yeah. Phil Knight, the, uh, the the Nike founder. It's like, oh, God, I love that book. And it's like, I mean, when I read it, I was like, anybody who's not a fan of us hate this book. All it is is sitting up at night, like, my money's running out. How do I financially engineer this situation? But if you're in an entrepreneurial situation, it's very refreshing to kind of see like, oh, that, that other people have got that situation as yeah. well. And if you yeah. hang on in there, then uh, obviously the upside and the rewards can come to there's you. A, so, yeah. There's a quote given to me actually by, I won't name his name, but he's a founder CEO of a, of a multi-billion multi um, dollar so software business, B2B software business. I had a one-to-one -one with him. It was arranged by one of our VC investors. Great guy. And um, 
he just said to me, he's, in, he's like 15, 20 years into his business. And he said that you're, you will be in a state of perpetual terror every day. So smile and get used to it. And <laughs> I was like, what's still for you? And he's like, believe me, still for me. Yeah, and yeah. At, at that moment, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is what, this is what you either embrace that or you go, it's not for me. And no, you know, I, I relate to this so much. Sorry, we're, we're, we're milking around here. We've got several minutes where yeah. I, 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 I kept on like, checking myself where I was thinking like, oh, there's this problem to fix. I'm in chaos and I'm doing this because at some point, like I'm living in a world that's different to this. And from reading similar things and talking to people, I kind of like meditated on this fact that the universe has always got an obstacle for you. That mm-hmm. will be forevermore. And you speak to these individuals who are so successful, like with the type of show that I do as well. And they've always got the challenges and it. it's just the flip of the mindset of knowing you've yeah. got it, that you've managed your expectation. It's not stress anymore, no. it's pressure. So in our business, we yeah. said, um, we're probably through now where there's stress if we yeah. manage our targets way ahead, but like bring the pressure. We want the yeah. pressure, we got big yeah, ambitions yeah. and that really flipped everybody's mindset, I love it. Yeah. Um, like right, last big question then. So searching for Mana, um, just to explain to anybody who doesn't know, or you Tom, Mana is your magic in gaming. So you have your power and then you have your Mana. This is the the superpower this is the you know the je ne sais quoi the essence of who you are and you know maybe the number one thing that is making or will make you successful what's your mana hmm. i hate talking about myself but i will i will i, will. <laughs> I don't i mean i'll tell you what people say about me you know when they're being kind to me on the other occasion um i'm i'm stoic i'm calm when everyone else isn't um, I've been described as the most stoic person people have ever met multiple times in my life. And so I think that that doesn't sound like a superpower, but in this kind of world, it is. Yeah. That, well, that, <laughs> Feels that, like that it. definitely is. If you, you know, if you read the greats like, um, Charlie Munger, mm. I mean, this is what he'd attribute his ability yeah. to be, um, level headed when there's market ups and downs. So as an investor, which is when yeah. you started as a portfolio manager, that's yeah. absolutely bloody crucial. Yeah. As I would say that and. And this is table stakes stuff, but I think it's still important and it becomes important again at higher levels. It's just, I love working. I love working. I mean, I just love it. I mean, my mum and dad are both like workhorses, like traditional working class people. The, the, the work is, work gives meaning. Like I just, I love it. And I love, I love what I do. And I think that, that I will run through brick walls for this really, yeah. really genuinely. So, um, oh, well done. Look, I'll just leave you, um, with the chance to talk to the audience about the Hollywood outcome, whatever, whatever way you want, but set, yeah. the, set the vision, set it big. And thank you for so much coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I think, look, the Hollywood outcome for us is not a necessary specific outcome for myself, Matt, the team or, or the business is that the investment management industry is, uh, uses impact as the default setting in five, 10 years time. And if we'll have played a role in that, if that's the case. And so that's the Hollywood outcome for us. Beautiful. Cheers, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Speak soon. Cheers.